Has anybody here offended anybody lately? Anybody? All right, I'm going to put my hands up. I do it daily. Where's Riley? I feel like I offend Riley all the time. Where's Riley? Yeah, there it is. I, I know I do. All right. Uh, I do make fun of vegans, and I don't apologize for that. Okay, vegans, uh, we, we'll talk about that later. Okay. But <laughs> we're, tonight we're going to be talking about offensiveness. Or, and my title for my message tonight is called The Offensive Gospel. And in just a little bit, we're going to bring some, some guys up here with us. And um, before we do, though, I, I want to ask you guys, does anybody here, if you had to guess, what causes someone to be offended? Would anybody be willing to raise your hand and tell me what you think? What causes somebody to be offended? Any, anybody? Because And listen, this is not an easy question. I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, what is the cause for somebody being offended? What do you think, Jake? Okay, so if you insult somebody, for sure, they're going to be offended. Okay, what else? Yes, Lauren. What's that? If you put them in a stereotype, yes. I stereotype girls all the time. So ladies, I'm sure you get offended with me pretty often, okay? Uh, what else? I like that, though. Stereotypes, you insult people. Yes, sir. Jealousy, yes, jealousy. That, that causes you to be offended. Well, all of these are great answers. I, I was trying to figure out why I think that people get offended, and here's what I came up with. A person who is offended feels that they were wronged, or, or I'm sorry, feels that some wrong or some injustice has happened to either them or someone else. Meaning, if you say something to a person and they say, oh man, that, that is completely wrong, you've hurt my feelings, and then they get offended. Or if you say something about, like, like Lauren said, like a stereotype, you know, you, get, you can get offended on behalf of somebody else, all right? We'll, we'll come back in just a little bit. So um, when I was thinking about that, and then my next question was, is it wrong to be offensive? Do you guys think it's wrong to be offensive to somebody? The, what do you, depends, depends, okay. And here's, the answer is not always yes. For instance, if you say to somebody something hurtful and insulting, absolutely, you are wrong in that offense. However, we've, I've used this example before, but Mr. Simon Cowell, who is from American Idol, this guy, you could say, is not doing anything wrong. He's just being very honest about who, uh, he's about being very about honest about who's singing in front of him. In fact, I think he's doing a right thing. To, to some of these guys that come in and they're so awful at their singing, the best thing that they need to hear in that moment is just give it up. Just, just stop. You're not doing yourselves any favor. In fact, Jacob Blennis, the person that I think is the most guilty is the parents who let that kid get on American Idol in front of millions of people and told them their whole life that they were a great singer. Let's be honest here. It's awful. It's bad parenting. So I think that there are times, and here's the thing, when Simon would tell people about being offended, he would say something like, I love the one clip I showed a couple weeks ago. He was like, here's your advice for singing. He goes, don't, right? And he says, don't do it. And guys, it's great advice. And they're mad because he's telling them to stop an action that they enjoy doing. He tell, they're mad because Simon is calling them to change their action. And what's funny about it is, People are very offended when you ask them to change something, Some, a lot of times. They're very offended when, when you come up to them and say, hey, you probably would do this a little differently. And, and here's what, what the, the funniest part is that Jesus was very offensive, okay? Jesus in his time was probably the, the most offensive guy. All he did was go around saying, hey, Pharisees, what you're doing, um, stop, 
<laughs> it's not about that. Don't do that anymore. It's about, it's about Jesus. You know, it's, or I'm sorry, it's about me. That's what he would say, right? It's about God. It's about a pure heart. And so these guys would get super offended. And what I want to do is I want to show you a verse here. This is John 14, okay? And there's a couple of verses. If you have a Bible or if you have your phone on, you can open up to John 14, John chapter 14. Now, this verse that I'm about to read to you, in my opinion, is the most offensive thing that Jesus said, okay? So let's read it. Okay, go ahead and put that up on the screen if you don't mind. Here's John 14, 1 to 7. Your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Go ahead, next slide. I'm sorry. All right. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Next slide. I, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. All right, and this is where it gets offensive here in just a minute. Thomas says, Lord, uh, hit, hit back one more time. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And listen to what he says here. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's just hold there, okay? This right here, in my opinion, is the most offensive thing that Jesus said, okay? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, there's a couple of things that he's saying in this verse. First off, he's saying to, he's saying to them, hey, I, I'm God. Like, if you read this whole passage, you see that Jesus is claiming that he is God here, which is a big, big deal. This was the reason they wanted to kill him in the first place. And here's the second big thing, is that he says, no one goes to the Father except through me. This means that no matter what good acts you do, no matter what nice things you say, no matter how many times you take out the trash for your old lady neighbor, it doesn't matter, okay? The only way to heaven is through Jesus, or is through, uh, the only way to God is Jesus. And this is why this is so offensive, guys, is because when you go to people and you preach the gospel to them and you tell them about Jesus, essentially what you're saying to them is, hey, what you're doing, the things you say, the thoughts you think, the actions you do, if they're not for Jesus, you need to change. And here's, here's the bottom line for today. Go ahead and hit the bottom line for me, okay? Our bottom line is the gospel is offensive because it demands that we change our thoughts and our actions. Write that down if you got that, or text yourself that, okay? The gospel is offensive because it demands that we change our thoughts and our actions. When you go up to people, when Simon went up to somebody and said, you're a bad singer, change your actions, don't sing. Do something else productive with your time, that's pretty offensive, when you go up to a person and say, hey, the, the, the way that you think you're the happiest in your life, you know, doing things that you shouldn't be doing, all that stuff, stop doing that. Give your life to Jesus. That is the most offensive thing. So what we're going to do tonight is I got a couple uh, friends who are going to come up on stage, or I think they call me friend back, right? So Rusty and Scott, why don't you guys come on up here? If you guys don't mind, give a big round of applause for Mr. Rusty Conklin and Mr. Scott Derrick. A little bit louder, please. A little bit louder. A little louder. And stop. Okay, let's make the last three seconds awkward while they just walk up on stage. There. Ooh, you got some drown out claps there. I love it. Here, you guys sit in the middle. I'll sit beside you over here. Okay. And let's uh, test these microphones. Talking to yours first, Derek, if you don't mind. Check, check. Nice. Check, check. Nice. All right. Well, guys, this is going to be very, very... Um, casual tonight, okay? And who knows, at the end, maybe if we got some time, we'll open it up for questions. I don't know. We'll see. So <laughs> they're like, that wasn't part of the agree agreement. So when, when I was putting this message together, I was thinking about, um, again, actually, can you just put the bottom line up and just keep it up there the whole time? We'll be fine. Um, remember, our bottom line here says the gospel is offensive because it demands that we change our thoughts and our actions. 
And what, what I was trying to think about tonight, this whole message tonight is about how Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's the offensive gospel, that there's no other way to heaven. Now, obviously, if you talk to a Muslim, they're going to disagree with you, right? They think, uh, they think Allah and Muhammad are the way to heaven. If you talk to a Mormon, they're going to disagree with you. If you talk to an atheist, they'll disagree with you. They'll say there is no heaven. And so when I was trying to think of some friends that I have, which uh, was a short list, <laughs> I, I thought these two would be really cool because if you don't know this, Rusty here grew up a Mormon, right? So he grew up in a religious household. He, he learned about the things of Mormonism. Scott Derrick here, uh, on the other side of it, grew up not spiritual at all. He grew up an atheist. And if you don't know what an atheist is, there's a difference between an atheist and an agnostic. An agnostic is somebody who says that uh, there may be a God, there might not. I don't know. I don't really care. I'm not going to say there isn't a God, you know, and they're kind of indifferent. But an atheist is a person who pretty firmly will say there is no God. The science says there's not. Guys, that's what Scott Derrick was, okay? So Scott grew up an atheist, and I think you're a Christian now, right? Yeah. Okay, good. He's a pastor here at the church, so that's good to hear, all right? But Scott, Scott's... It's, deb it's debatable. <laughs> it's, <laughs> depends on the day, yeah, yeah. It depends on the day. But, but Scott here and, and Rusty, they've agreed to kind of come up, and we're just going to talk about um, what, what Jesus has meant in their life and how these guys will undoubtedly will say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I, I think you would agree with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, good. All right. So, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask some questions. We'll just, uh, just talk about it, and then we'll just have a nice little conversation. So, Rusty, we'll start with you, okay? First off, who loves Rusty Conklin, huh? Isn't he the man? Dude, <laughs> Grant's like, Grant's like, so-so. Mm, when, when I've been promoting this uh, last week on Sunday, uh, this past Sunday, and I said, Rusty Conklin's going to get up. And in both services, you had like a, Rusty, and they stood up and started clapping. It was two different services. I was pretty impressed. All right. So anyway, so Rusty, here, if you don't mind, I want you to just briefly tell us about your background and how you grew up. Because like I said, you grew up Mormon, and I, I, I didn't know anything about Mormonism until I rode up to summer camp with you in the front seat of the van. And uh, I'd love for you to just kind of give us in just a quick little five-minute, um, uh, what was your life like growing up as a Mormon? So. It was probably pretty similar to... It was probably pretty similar to what most of you guys have experienced growing up um, in a lot of ways. Mormons, um, they claim to believe in Jesus, and I think most of them do believe in Jesus, but not the Jesus that we're taught here um, as Christians. Every week we go to church, and it was about a three-hour three service, um, and we spent a lot of time in church, and every Wednesday we were there for about two hours and so it was very dedicated but um, I didn't think I was any different than a than a Christian growing up because we we're always told that we were a Christian religion um, and as I got into my teen years I was told that I needed to go on a mission and for two years and share share Jesus with people and the Mormon church and Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and all that stuff but um, and we were telling people, if you've ever had Mormons come to your door, they will tell you that they're Christians. And so that's what I was telling people for two years and try to convince them. And I believed it. I believed that I was a Christian. Um, but then once life happened, after my mission in college and you start to um, struggle and everything and really need to rely on your faith is when I realized that I really didn't believe in Jesus, that I didn't have anything to hold on to. So I went through the motions and tried to keep a lot of rules, 
but that's not, I, I figured out the hard way that that's not what it's all about. And that's something that all of us can take away, is that it's not about the rules and the commandments and everything, it's about a relationship with Jesus, and that's, that's what I learned um, for sure when I was about 30. And all the trauma and all the challenges that I had through my life and childhood. For example, my mom passed away when I was 15. Um, I actually found her. <coughs> and that, it took me about 30 years to, to muddle through that. And had I had a relationship with Jesus and a real faith in Jesus, that really would have come in handy. So. Right, right. Would you uh, Would you say that that Mormonism is their pathway to heaven is by doing good acts and stuff like that or yeah that's it's you hear in a service you hear keep the commandments keep the commandments which we're supposed to be doing but it's more of a keep the commandments to earn favor from God to earn God's friendship and love as opposed to what we believe which is believe in Christ and you will want to do and so that was the big that was the big confusion for me. Right, right. And that, that's a that's a great thing he just said there. I don't know if you caught that, but the, what he was saying is the Mormons they believe that uh, it, it's all about what you do. You do the good act. You do the good act. Essentially, you're you're making you're checking off the list for their God. Right. We are the opposite, where we as Christians believe that once you accept Jesus in your life and you give your life to Jesus, you you've checked off the list. You're good to go. When you sin and you mess up or when you follow the commandments, all that does is it affects your relationship with God. So, so when you become a Christian, you're in right standing with God. It's not like you're going to get to heaven and God's going to say, nope, you didn't do good enough things. It was, no, you've, you've accepted my son as your savior. And, uh, and when you follow the rules, I love what you said there. When you have a relationship with Christ, you want to follow the rules. You want, to, you want to make God happy, okay? But your salvation doesn't hinge on that. So that's, that's, that's awesome. So, so, guys, that's the spiritual side, all right? Now, remember, he wasn't a Christian, but he was still in a religious uh, household. Now, my friend Scott Derrick here was, did not grow up in a Christian. Why don't, were your parents Christian or no? No. Oh, okay, cool. All right. So, uh, well, not cool. but no, yeah, I come from so, a, a long line of not Christian. Okay, a long line of not Christian. So, Scott, I'll ask you the same question. It's just kind of in a couple minutes. Why don't you sum up what your childhood looked like? Um, it's kind of funny, one of the things that Matt always says when he, he and I will be talking about different things, he'll go, man, your childhood was way different than mine. And uh, I just kind of chuckle, but he's right. I, um, I didn't grow up, I was a normal kid, lived up in uh, northwest Ohio, um, grew up a rich kid, little brat, um, had everything I wanted, and um, my existence going, growing up, we went to church on Christmas and Easter, which we call Creasters. Um, that's kind of the pastor slang for it. We'd go in, huge Methodist church. I'd sit there, fall asleep, go home, open up presents. Um, that was what God was in my life, was just, hey, it's just something you go to, you wear a suit and tie, you sit there, you fall asleep, you go home. Um, that was what my spiritual experience was as a kid. And um, we didn't, uh, my family didn't go to church, extended family didn't go to church. Uh, I really didn't have a grasp of who God was at all. I had no idea who Jesus Christ was. Um, I had no idea about the relationship thing. Um, growing up, it was, uh, you know, a well-to-do kid. Everything I was about was um, kind of money-oriented. It was what could I have? What could I do? Where could I go? Um, and it, it, that pathway 
took me down a, a wrong direction very, very quickly. Um, I started drinking when I was 12. Um, got pictures of me hammered drunk at 14. Um, and uh, <laughs> a Different childhood. Than different yeah, different childhood. <laughs> um, and that was just the way of our lives. I mean, that, that was it. It was like, you know, any chance we could have a party at home, we did it. We had a huge house, huge pool. We were the party house. Um, you know, different, different time than what it is, is now that kids grow up in, hopefully. And uh, God was in no part of that. And what kind of made it worse was I went to a Catholic high school, not because of the spiritual aspect of it, but because it was the best high school where I grew up. So they sent me there, and then I began to um, get really interested in science. I still love science. I was an archaeologist for 15 years. Um, before I became a pastor, love science, love everything about it. But at that time in my life, mentally, I was a train wreck. Spiritually, I had didn't know anything about anything spiritual. Um, they began to teach a little bit about the Bible in this school, and I saw it as like a cool history book, and that was it. Like I'd read the Bible, it meant nothing to me. Like literally, I'd sit there and I'd go, "Yeah, Jesus, blah 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 blah." Um, meant nothing to me. Um, it wasn't until I got saved that all of a sudden the words in the Bible just came to life to me. Up until then, and I truly believe that it was the Holy Spirit at that point that gave me eyes to see what the Bible was all about. But, um, so yeah, I went down a deep, kind of a dark path spiritually where I would hear things, I would see things, and I was like, yeah, that's hypocritical, I don't like that, that doesn't make any sense. And I actually, um, it was in high school that I would tell people, you know, I was like, man, being a, a Christian or a Catholic, I said, that's just for people that are too stupid to think for themselves. Like, why are they being led around? This is stupid. Um, and then that just kind of continued down this dark path of evolution. I fell in love with that. I worked with a teacher at Ohio State um, that was all about evolution, so I learned more, and that just continued to drive a wedge. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty uh, dark, deep path that went quickly. Um, and uh, it took a while to come out of it when I was 30. I finally, that's when I got saved, and, and God, and we'll talk about that moving yeah. forward. I don't want to go into that too much. Perfect. But, yeah. I, you know, the funniest thing about Scott Derrick here, after that nice talk that he just gave us, is he went to Ohio State for school, but he's a Michigan fan, which makes no sense to me, but, uh, but that's fine. That's, <laughs> that's the worst thing about him. But, but Scott, I love Scott's story because, because you, like, I said, like he said, you get to see somebody who, Really, Jesus pulled out of there. So uh, let's, let's move on to our next question. We'll go to you with this one, okay? And this one, I, I know some of this story, which I'm pretty excited for you to say. But, um, and you kind of tapped on this. My question is, what was your view on Christianity before you became a Christian? And I know you, I think we see this problem a lot in colleges especially, which a lot of you guys will see once you go to colleges. There's this idea that science and religion don't go together, that they contradict each other. And um, we talked about it a little bit in here where we talk about science literally is just the observation of what's happening, right? So science technically isn't like a thing. It's just an observation. But a lot of scientists and a lot of people in that science field tend to turn away from Christianity and religion because of the faith aspect. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I'd love for you to just tell us kind of what, what were your views on Christianity and then, uh, and then tell us how you viewed Pastor Frank, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right, my view. Hopefully uh, he's not listening. We'll, we'll see if. Uh, let's see, my view as a high schooler was I could care less. Um, that was my view on God. That was my view on, I just didn't care. It wasn't like I was against God or for God. 
I didn't care. Um, that it just wasn't part of my life. Uh, when I went to college, as Matt kind of talked about, I was um, obviously knew I was wrapped up in science, and I, I kept seeing, hey, science, and, and you know, when you're on a huge college campus, you see all kinds of people, all right? And there were individuals that were around trying to get you to go to church. There were Mormons walking around trying to talk to you. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, who I'm now married to, um, she was active in her church growing up, and uh, so she was trying to tell me about it. And when I began to kind of mesh the science that I was learning and everything else I was hearing about God and about Jesus Christ, it just made me really mad. And I was like, yo, this is stupid. You guys are morons. How can you possibly be dumb enough to believe a book that's two, 3,000 years old? What are you doing? Um, and it, it, was, it was hard, you know, and it, it was, that was my, my take, honestly, until I was about 30, um, until uh, there was a, a day. So uh, Pastor Frank, many of you know him, he's senior pastor here. He uh, came to my house by a strange situation. He was in a church in West Virginia giving him 25 bucks because he was returning money that he borrowed from him 20 years ago. Long story short, the... One of the ladies there said, hey, go talk to my sister and her husband. Her husband's an atheist, and my sister's been out of church because of him. Um, so go get her, get her straightened out. So he showed up at my house, and I'm, I'm sitting there and uh, just, right, just got home from work. I was a mess. I was angry. I was drinking. And he came up to the door, and he goes, he goes knock, knock, knock. And I'm like, oh. So I go, and I answer the door. And he goes, hi, I'm Pastor Frank. And I get the door, and I'm like, Dish. and I slam the door in his face. And um, he came by, and he just sat outside the door kind of like a puppy dog. And he was like, oh, okay. And then he said, he knocked again, and uh, he goes, Scott, I ran into your sister-in-law, and she told me to come talk to you. And I was like, all right, well, that's weird. And I don't like my sister-in-law. Um, so that didn't help his argument much. And uh, so I opened the door, and he began to relate to me in a way that kind of blew my mind a little bit that I wasn't used to. And we sat there for an hour and talked, and he says, well, here's, here's my card. If you want to come to church, come to church. If not, okay, but I want to invite you. Um, and it was about a year and a half later that I finally went to church. Um, and here's something you guys are going to learn as you grow up. It's a phrase that I tell people all the time. Is, and something I want you guys to remember, as you're praying for people or you're looking at your own life, God can do anything with anyone at any time at any place he chooses. Don't ever, ever put God in a box and say, you know what? God can't, God can't, God can't. No, God can. God can do anything with anyone at any time at any place he chooses. And that's what God did for me. And for me to get me into church, many of you know my daughter, Abby. She's a senior this year. She should be here, but she's doing something with band. Um, and it was her coming to me as a four-year-old and saying, Daddy, I'm not going to go to church if you don't go. So God used a four-year-old to get me to go to church. And then a year and a half later, I got saved. So That's awesome. I, I think the first thing I'm going to do after we publish this podcast and send it to your sister-in-law so she can kind of hear what we're talking about. She knows I don't like her. She knows you don't like her. <laughs> so this wouldn't be a surprise, yeah. That, okay. That's an awesome story. I love that you work for this man now, that you slam the door in his face, which yeah, is really I, funny. Yeah, we still have fun with it, actually. <laughs> yeah, that comes up pretty often, actually. So, so Rusty, let me, let me turn it to you now. Uh, we've let Scott talk a long time, so now it's your turn. Here we go. Uh, first off, we'll do two questions at once. Is I want you to 
as a Mormon, okay, growing up around Mormons, um, what was your view of Christians? And, and we talked about this, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear what you say again, but, um, but tell about how you, view, how you guys viewed Christianity, and then tell us how you came to know Christ as well, based on that. So, go ahead. I have trouble keeping things short, so I'll try to keep it concise. Dude, I told, I told the kids we'll be here till 10 o'clock, so okay, you're fine. that's fine. Just okay. kidding. All Calm right. down. Just kidding. Um, well, it, it may have been magnified for me because um, from the time I was about nine until when I graduated high school, my summers were spent on the beach at North Carolina. Have any of you guys ever been to the Outer Banks? North Carolina. Well, I would live there for the summer in a trailer in a campground. And this particular campground that I lived in with my mom, um, Christian college-age kids would come from all over the state of North Carolina, all these Christian colleges, and cut the grass, clean the bathrooms, do activities for the campers. And they were called the Summershiner Group. And I was about 13 between 10 and 15 years old, and I just wanted to be around those older kids, and um, I thought they were cool. And over those summers, I mean, five, six, seven summers, they ministered to me a little at a time, and when they would tell me, it's all about a relationship with Jesus, get saved, and tried to explain what getting saved even meant, um, and then I would relay that to my parents, they would share with me that that was a cop-out, that um, born-again Christians, holy rollers, whatever you want to call them, they believe that you accept, accept Jesus and can do whatever you want. The rest, you can drink, smoke, do whatever you want, and that that's not the, what we believe. And so the attitude of people in the Mormon church and people that are outside of that is a, is a thought that getting saved is, you know, kind of a, a ticket to live however you want. And so that was my perception from my parents. Now I look back and realize that they were afraid that I was going to leave the Mormon church. And now um, my dad doesn't even talk to me because I because I accepted Jesus, but that's, so it took about 15 to 20 years from that point to the time I got saved to muddle through all of that, and probably the most helpful thing that ever happened wasn't those kids, but one of my duties at this campground was to clean the pool every morning, and there was this 50-ish year old lady that would come up there every day with her coffee and talk to me while I cleaned the pool. And every conversation was gospel-oriented. And I look back, and I don't think I really realized it at the time. I just thought it was a nice lady conversing with me. But she taught me the gospel so that when it was officially presented to me, 15 years later, I, I understood it. My heart understood it. My head, The Holy Spirit kind of brought all that back in a rush. And... Um, when it was time to make a decision, it all made sense. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, I, I love okay. it. I, I, um, I, I like what you said about how the Mormons viewed Christians. I thought was pretty interesting. If you, if you think about it, we, 
we believe that you, once you become a Christian, you know, there's the sin, we still mess up, we still have this sinful nature, but God will forgive us every time, and it affects our relationship. And, and it's funny, I, when you were talking to me about that, I'd never thought of somebody viewing us that way, where they say, oh, these guys, they feel like they got a free ticket to do whatever they want, you That's know? their defense. That's the Mormon missionary's defense. Yeah. Talking to Mike. That's when a Mormon missionary comes up to your door and you tell them you're a born-again Christian, they're going to tell you, you know, they're going to share that attitude with you and why you need to be a Mormon, you know, along right. those lines. So. Right. Well, that, that's awesome. So, so we'll wrap this up here. I just got one last question for you guys. And, um, and, and again, I appreciate you guys being here. It's, it's, it is cool seeing different perspectives, you know, from the, the non-religious side and even the religious side. But, um, you know, this, the, our series that we've been talking about is called The Gospel 101. And the whole point is we're trying to figure out um, uh, how to articulate what the gospel is. And, and really, the gospel can be summed up in one word, which is Jesus, where Jesus has come. He died on a cross for us gave his life as a ransom for us, and then he rose again. And now, because of that, we are able to uh, be forgiven of those sins if we give our life to Jesus. And so it's one of the things that I think is really cool is when you get to see stories like this where you say, oh, man, you got a guy like, you got a guy like this guy, Scott Derrick, who, who hated Christianity. He was an atheist. He said God didn't exist. And now look at him, where God has him here. God can tra- I love what you said. God can change anybody. Don't put him in a box. And then on the flip side, you got a guy like Rusty who, guys, I'm telling you, it is hard to lead Mormons to Christ. It's very hard. I read a book on this once, and, and this guy, he, he actually lives in Salt Lake City out there in Utah. And he, his whole point was he says, he says, me and my wife cry ourselves to sleep a lot because we live out here trying to share Jesus with these people, and they are so dedicated to their faith, some of them more so than us as Christians, where they go on these missions for a couple years or whatever. And so, um, so to see an atheist who has turned to Jesus, to see a guy who was a Mormon turn to Jesus, really goes to show you how powerful Jesus is. And so, again, this is the last question I want to ask you guys is, you guys have been through a lot in your lives, and I want to ask you, what did accepting Jesus, how did that change your lifestyle? And Rusty, I'll start with you because I know the answer, and I want to, I want to hear it. So how, having Jesus in your life, how did that help you get through your life? What did it do for you? And talk to Mike if you don't mind. There we go. Sorry, I'm not, I've never done <laughs> that's, this. Before. That's all right. Um, I'm glad you prefaced it just then because I really wanted to find a way to kind of bring it to a point. And... I think the difference between how I was raised as a Mormon and what accepting Jesus is, is accepting Jesus as my personal Savior and having a relationship with him is different because over time, it's taken me some time, it's the difference between believing in Jesus, believing that Jesus exists and learning about him as a person. And now it's completely relying on him and what he did for me. Like it says in Isaiah 53, it says that he bore um, all our pain, all our sorrow, um, all our sin, our disease, any challenge basically, he bore that in his body for us at the cross And so it's different because now I'm relying, whenever I hit an obstacle through the day, I'm relying on his finished work to be my victory. 
and to help me to overcome everything throughout the day. I'm relying on him and his power and strength that lives in me through the Holy Spirit. So it's a difference between every minute, every circumstance relying upon him and just believing that he was a good guy that might let me into heaven someday. So. Awesome, awesome. And Scott, I'll throw the question at you. What, what is having Christ in your life, how, how, what, what have you seen this change in your life? Um, it's been dramatic. I mean, going from a, uh, at the time I got saved when I was 30, July 10th, 2005, um, that day in my life was that, um, that moment I'll never forget. I still remember that entire day like it was yesterday. I came into church a depressed, lonely, frustrated, mean, um, alcoholic, uh, just a hot mess that was trying to do life, you know, and be a husband, be a dad, doing none of those well, um, and was reminded of it quite often. I had a wife that was praying for me, and she'd always tell me that, and I was like, all right, yeah, whatever, um, thanks. And um, that day when I came in, what was interesting is I had fought it for about three months prior to that. Every time there'd be an invitation call, I'd sit there and I would make a point. I was like, don't go up, don't go up, don't be one of these people, don't go up, don't go up. And then on that, on that particular Sunday, um, something clicked and it, I was like, what am I waiting for? If I'm wrong, I can always go back to the miserable person I'm, I've been. But if I'm right, everything that Pastor Frank says and what the Bible says, if that's true, my life is going to be in victory instead of in defeat where I had been through Jesus Christ. And so I went forward and gave my life over to Jesus Christ and um, just cried like a baby at the altar because just everything came out. Um, and yeah, it was dramatic. I mean, since that day, everything, a lot of it went away. I didn't have to fight it anymore. I didn't have the desire to do it. God called me into ministry out of, you know, being a scientist, archaeologist for 15 years. God said, hey, I'm going to use you now. You're going to go into ministry. So I quit my job of 15 years, came in here, said, Pastor Frank, I want to work. He goes, I can't pay you, but I've got a desk. I said, good enough. Um, and so that's how I came on here at Genoa. And, you know, I've been here for about eight years, but it's, you know, a lot of what Rusty said, it's every that everyday battle of counting on, um, relying on Jesus Christ, surrendering to him, having the humility to remember where I was and where God brought me out of to bring me here today, and to gather the strength from that, gather the, hey, you know what, God can do anything with anyone at any time at any place he chooses, and on that day he chose me. And that's the thing, I mean, as we're, if you guys are sitting out there, you may be looking at your own lives and struggling but it's realizing, you know, well, where is this going to go for me? Or I haven't felt Jesus Christ really in my life. I don't have that relationship. Um, and the fact is, a lot of it, he's there. We just have to turn to him. He's already there. And he's been speaking to you. I know what, you know, the great things you guys do in here. And, uh, you know, Jesus Christ is speaking to you all. It's just taking that time to say, you know what? I'm going to forget about all the stuff of the world that I love and run into money, running to all kinds of stuff that I shouldn't be running to and saying, you know what, I need Jesus Christ in my life. And, you know, everybody has a testimony, and it's all dramatic. Anytime Jesus Christ grabs somebody out of hell and brings them into heaven, it's an amazing story. And, um, yeah, and I'm just thankful to be here today. That's awesome. Rusty, yeah, go ahead. Um, as Scott was talking, um, I guess the one thing that I would 
really want to impress on you guys is even after you're saved, don't just go through the motions. Actively seek that relationship with Jesus. That's going to strengthen you. It's going to prepare you for the issues, the problems that you'll face in your life. And you guys are young, so you're going to encounter some of that stuff. And when you do, you want your relationship with him to be strong. You want to be close to him. You want the Holy Spirit flowing through you to help you answer questions that you're having. So I guess my best advice would be you're here. That's awesome. Keep coming, but actively seek Mm -hmm. to increase and deepen your relationship with Jesus as a person, as someone who deeply loves you and um, wants the best for you. That's awesome. Awesome. So, uh, guys, thank you. I really appreciate it. I, I, let me just finish by saying this, and then we'll dismiss to small groups. But I love when, when you look up here. I said it's uh, – I almost put out an Instagram picture that said, what does a former, uh, former Mormon, former atheist, and a former British guy have in common? Jesus, right? And so it's cool, it's cool seeing what God has delivered you from. And, and, and here's the thing, guys. There's a thing called a worldview, right? It's how you view the world. And for religious people who aren't Christians, like especially for Mormonism – Their view of the world is you do the good things, you do the good things, you do the good things, and your God will bless you. However, we all have a sinful nature, so guess what? You're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. And when that happens, you feel like your God doesn't love you anymore and that you've got to do all these things, right? It's a terrible way to live. It's a terrible way. And then on the flip side, you got the atheist who they don't believe that there is a God, and that is the most depressing worldview to have. Because if nothing happens after death, what's the point of living, right? You can do whatever you want, okay? You can, if, if, if you don't believe in a God, then there, there's nothing to give you value and nothing to give you hope. If you remember back a while ago, we talked about from, uh, in Genesis 1, we see that God created humans. It was the last thing that he created, the pinnacle of his, of his creation, and it shows that right there is what gives us value, is that everything was created, we were the only things created in God's image, which means that we have value. So, so all that to say, guys, um, the best the best worldview is the Christian worldview because we realize that a relationship with Jesus, it gives us strength to make it through every day. It gives us value. It gives us purpose. And so what I'd like for us to do, let's go ahead and bow our heads real quick. I'm going to pray for you guys. And uh, we're not going to do like an altar call where we're going to have you guys come up or anything, but I'm, I'm confident there are people in this room who tonight, maybe you haven't given much thought to your relationship with Christ. Maybe you've been coming to youth group for years now or even weeks or months. And you, you, you can feel this, this nudging to draw close to God. That's called the Holy Spirit. That, that, is called, that, that is God drawing you in. And my desire for you guys here is that if, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you, there's no better time than right now. Tonight is the night. And if you want to do that, what we'll do is when we break into our small groups, I want you to tell your leader, okay? So for those people in here, if you have any more questions, I'll be up at the front. These guys will be around as well. Please talk to us. We'd love to answer your questions. And then for the people in this room who have already given their life to Jesus, I want to commission you a little differently. I want you to be offensive with the gospel, okay? You don't get that permission often, all right? But I want you to be offensive by going up to people and showing them the need for Jesus Christ. Again, it's the most offensive thing you can do is go up to a person and say, hey, everything that you're doing, your life that you're living, uh, change that, Do it all for the glory of Jesus Christ. Do it all for the glory of God. So guys, I'm giving you permission. Be offensive.
don't be offensive to the point where you're just annoying, but uh, tell, bring the gospel to people. Remember, we say this often, is that the opposite of love is silence. If you truly love a friend or a family member, the worst thing you can do is remain silent, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for, uh, for Scott Derrick. Thank you for Rusty Conklin that they've come up and just, uh, just kind of showed us uh, this journey that, that you have been on with them, God. And it, it's so encouraging to hear of guys who um, had every reason not to turn, or um, they had every reason to turn to you. And, and we, we see often that people don't, that, that they're, they're put into lifestyles and that they live lives where they should turn to you, but they don't. And I'm so glad that we have these examples of Scott and Rusty, that, that these, are, these are guys that um, accepted what you did on that cross, that they've given their lives to you, that they've, they've, they've changed everything about their lives just to follow you, God. And, and as insane as it sounds to, to turn everything away, God, and just focus on you, Lord, I, I just pray that the kids in here, that we can remember that you bless us in many ways. You do many things for us, God, but ultimately... None of that matters. The only thing that matters is you. So Lord, be with everybody as we leave here. Be with us as we dismiss to small groups. And I just pray that, that we can have good conversations. And again, that if there's anybody in this room who's never given their life to you, God, I pray that tonight is the night that they make that decision. We love you and we thank you and we pray this in your name. And all of God's children said, amen.